How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Jeff, go, man. He's dancing up a storm. Look at that, Manigan. Darn right I am. Wow. All skate. You got to shake it, man. Look at him. He's on the four-wheel roller skates. Oh, he just took a fall. Not good. Oh, splinters. Ouch! Which is quite possible on the uh, on the roads today. No, it is true. Please be careful on the roads. There you go. You bring me back to reality. You bring me back. Yes, you do. 216 474 0092 that is the number to call or hit us up on Twitter or X at CLE Talking Heads. He's Jeff Phelps. I am Andy Baskin. How about your Cavaliers? They are, like, not even close to the dotted line anymore, and they're so far away from the solid line in the standings. It's, like, it's so refreshing. Hawks are sitting at 10. Bulls are sitting at 9. By the Oh, you're wearing Blazer stuff. I thought you were wearing Bulls stuff there. Uh, Magic, Pacers, Heat, Knicks. Look who's fourth. With an eight-game winning streak at 26 and 15, six and a half back on those Boston Celtics. Wow. Look at that. And separation between the Knicks now. Remember about a week ago, everybody was seven games back. Yeah. You kind of looked. And then the dotted line, that's oh, between yeah. the Pacers and the Heat now. And Jeff Phelps, I mean, I don't know why you can't look at the Cavaliers and say anything, but yeah, right direction. Everything's good. I would think that's exactly right. But no, there's no but. Are you sure? Yeah. There's not one thing. Not one. Not one. Singular? Not one. I they're they're doing a great job. They're playing really well. What did you see last night when you watched the game? It's kind of like the, the Globetrotters against the Generals there for a little bit. Well, uh, this does this is not meant to take away from an eight game winning streak. So don't take it that way. Okay. The Magic were playing their third game in four days. True. In the NBA, that's a recipe to get blown out. It's called the schedule loss, isn't it? Well, it's a recipe to get blown out, and the Magic did. That said, the Cavaliers had 29 assists on 45 field goals. <laughs> Outstanding. Why can't they do this all year, that's, even against the that's good teams? getting her done. Jared Allen has 12 straight double-doubles. In that stretch, he's averaging over 18 points and 14 rebounds a game. <laughs> Outstanding. Sam Merrill in January, 14.6 points a game, making 42% of his threes. And he has scored in double figures in eight of the last nine games. Hmm. Bravo. Can we get a group clap? I mean, everyone's like, what's missing from this equation? 
Uh, two superstars? Eh, no. One superstar? Two really good young players. Eh. Some kids look at them like superstars. Yeah, well, that's great. They're really good young players. Um, no Darius Garland, no Evan Mobley. They're both really good, really good players. What have I screamed about since the Cavs picked up Donovan Mitchell? Um, too much of the same thing up top. I didn't like the mix. Yeah. Right? I thought I thought it was a bad mix. You take something out of the mix, what do you have? I don't know. It looks you like got a much baked, better mix. They baked themselves a cake. What What do you have last night? You have Donovan Mitchell handling the ball, driving, creating for himself, creating for others. Boom. Hey, I'm kick out to Sam Merrill, who is wide open for a three. Wide open. Are you thinking? And Sam knocked him down. Good for him. Do you think the redundancy has finally said to the team, hey, look, here's where we are. I, I have to kind of look at the teams we're playing, though, too. I do think that that's a fair thing. And, you know, and then I'm not I say to myself, as we get closer to the trade the deadline. They're all on the schedule. Was, in there, was there a trade in the break there? I missed that. I, there, did you guess? Yes. Did we have an NBA trade? Just Involving a local guy? Yeah, Terry Rozier heading to the Miami Heat in exchange Uh-oh. for Kyle Lowry and a 2027 protected first-round pick. That means the Miami Heat just got a lot better. Yeah. Terry can play. But this all reminds us that we're getting a little closer to the trade deadline, too. Yeah. It? Is that putting pressure on the Cavs? What do you think the Cavaliers are going to do here now? What, They're in a pretty what good place are right they now. going to do or what you know, should they do? Okay, well, what are they going to do? Let's start there, and then you tell me what they should do. I don't know what they're going to do. I'll, I'll tell you this. Jeff, it used they're, to be. They're in a, a bad spot. But here's the weird deal. Like, are they going to. Uh, let me just say Cavaliers, trade deadline. Will they do something? Yes. Yes. Let, let me. Throw, That's what they do. Let me throw this at you, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, you weren't here one day last week. And Dan and I, I did some digging and came up with some stuff. I'm, I'm going to give you the abbreviated version of this, okay? Because I, I got into it like when both guys are out, when all three guys are in. The Cavs' worst winning percentage this year, when you take the the big three guys, and mm-hmm. Jarrett, no disrespect, Evan Mobley, Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, their worst winning percentage was when all three of those guys played, which is bizarre. So why? Hold why? on, hold on. This year, you ready? Mm-hmm. You tell me, without Darius Garland, with Darius Garland, where do they have a better winning percentage? Without? Without Darius Garland. When he sits, they're 15 and 6. With him, they're 11 and 9. Without Still Evan, winning, but it's they, they're. They're barely above 500 when he plays. Without him, they're 15 and 6. It also depends on who they're playing there, but okay, I'll give you that. Well, I mean, are they far, better uh, without Evan Mobley or with Evan Mobley? Am I going to have to say without again? 14 and 6 without him, 12 and 9 with him. Better winning percentage when he sits. With Donovan Mitchell or without Donovan Mitchell? I'm gonna, oh, don't make me do this again. I, I'm going to say it just because of the playing your game. Without. Six and three when Donovan Mitchell sits, 20 and 12 when he doesn't. They're a little bit better percentage-wise when he sits. That all makes no sense at all. What's the deal when all three of them are sitting in the same game? They have the worst winning percentage of, the, of any combination uh. when all three sit. And that let me preface that. That was based on. Wait, that's good though. That was based on no. When all three of them are out, 
No, excuse me. Yeah. When all three play, they have the worst winning percentage. Huh. It's, it's although, bizarre. Now, do it's I have bizarre. to take into consideration the teams they beat on this no, eight-game winning streak? No, you know, and why? Because that that takes away from what they've accomplished. They, they've won eight straight, Andy. That's not easy to do in the NBA. And especially when you're dealing with key guys being out. But I, I'm beginning to think it's hard to ignore these numbers that they're better when all three of those guys aren't on the floor together. And when one of them sits or whatever, they're better. What does this scream? Analytics, but I keep going. I know. Screams trade. I hate to say it. Who who are you trading? I think Donovan Mitchell is, well, this is where I think they're in a little bit of a pickle. Okay. You, the trade deadline's coming up. You, you, in my estimation, you can't make the trade, a trade, as long as Donovan Mitchell can be a free agent at the end of next year. Let, let's say, because I think this team is screaming for a trade. Okay. Because they're showing that they, this sounds terrible, you don't need Darius Garland to win games. You don't need Evan Mobley to win games. You don't necessarily need Donovan Mitchell to win games. All three of them together doesn't work as well as when one of them's out, at least yet. Hmm. So what do you do? Well, J.B. Bickerstaff has, has gotten a lot of credit, and he deserves it for what's going on now while they're dealing without injuries, just like Kevin Stefanski deserves a lot of credit, right? right. It's the same thing. You've had key injuries, and you've managed to win. Well, why can't you win when they're all there? Because, right, JB's job isn't to coach a team to great heights without Evan Mobley and Darius Garland. Well, his job is, is that to, true, though? I mean, isn't it his job to make sure that it's next man up all the time and they've got to be able to try to perform? At their, it doesn't matter what the this, names are in the back of the jerseys. But this team was put together based around, in their words, the core four. Right. Well, why can't you win when the core four is playing? What's the difference? You have two ball-dominant guards. That's what the difference is. You're not trading Evan Mobley. No. 6'11 guys with skill, they're hard to come by. Wayne Embry used to say, and Wayne, and I'm not kidding, is the guy that I respect the most of anybody I've met in professional sports. Just a great human being and a, a good guy and really good at what he does. Wayne had an expression, you can't fall in love with your players. Right. Andy, I'm going to Donovan Mitchell if I'm Kobe Altman, and I'm getting his agent on the phone and saying, you know what? If we want to win a championship here, we got to make a move. And I want to know, are you in or out? Are you in or out? What's he saying? I don't know what he's saying. I would think I Donovan. Guess what are you putting on the tables? I problem. would think Donovan would want to see free agency. He's allowed. You know, this is his second team. He's had a big contract. If he says that, though, I want to see free agency. Then, then I'm going to trade him. Yeah. Then, then I'm to. going to trade him. And if he says I'm in, where do I sign? I'm trading Darius Garland. And I, I love both players. Andy, did you see Donovan last night? He was phenomenal. He's passing the ball. He's driving. He's scoring. Here's Jared Allen, easy basket. Sam Merrill's spotting up. Boom. That's a good mix. 
And I'm not saying Sam should start. What I'm saying is, look what happens. You get more spacing. You got got fewer guys who need the ball in their hands all the time. And I think Darius is awesome. I think Donovan's awesome. You don't need both of them. What you need is somebody out on the wing who can do some more things than the people who are out on the wing right now. And I don't mean Karis LeVert. I think Karis is a great sixth man. Great. And I would find some, I would look, I would see if I could recoup a first round draft choice or two. And I would find a guy that I can put out on the wing who can score 15 points a game, hit some outside shots and play defense because this team looks like it's ready to go when some pieces aren't there, which is really weird, isn't so it? Let me just say this. If Donovan Mitchell says he's not in, you got to make a move. But are you hesitant to do that? I mean, you haven't even paid the bill on him yet. Andy, you haven't, you haven't even, you've, you've only, you've only paid half of what you owe for Donovan Mitchell. You gave up Markin and Sexton and Abaji. You have three first-round picks and two first-round pick swaps to come. Those don't start till 2025. So you better, you did, better start winning how, because yeah. it, you're not going to be able to build. You're not going to be able to build through, through the draft. Two one six four seven four double zero ninety two. You listen to the argument that Jeff just laid out. Do they? Is this a team that's just about to make a trade? Is that what you see? Do you see what Jeff's seeing? We'll answer that question next. He's Jeff Phelps. I'm Andy Baskin. 216-474-0092. That's the number to call in. Hit us up on X. Your Cavaliers are red hot right now, but are they primed to make a trade? Redundancy, I would probably call it. Phelps, the Phelps redundancy factor. How's that sound? Well, it's not complete redundancy, but you don't need two six one ball handling guards. I mean, look at what watch. Look at your eyes. You know, I mean, there it is. All right, a couple phone calls on this, Jeff, and then I uh, do believe people are hitting us up on snail mail, too. Uh, let's go. Jeff is in Strongsville. Jeff. Good morning, gentlemen. I, you guys are talking about, you know, the team and, and how they fare with, with all three of our quote-unquote big three playing. Personally, I, I think it's more of a coaching issue. Um, I I see two ball-dominant guards that, that at times – don't appear to know exactly what their role is on the court. And, and I think that we heard for, for at least in my estimation for way too long that they're, that we're trying to figure out how to make these pieces work. I think we heard that for probably the first two and a half, three years that Donovan Mitchell was here. And we even heard it a little bit. I think it was, uh, I forget who they were uh, interviewing a couple of days ago, but uh, he was saying how, you know, we're still, we, we, we just now, we're now figuring out how to use these pieces. And to your point, Jeff, you know, we've, we've got Sam Merrill now and, and Sam Merrill has proven that he can be an outside scorer and that, that deep threat that, that we've been looking for, for a long time. So now once Darius comes back, does he's obviously going to have to take a back seat. I mean, their, their, their contracts dictate that, right? So well, you're not going to start Sam Merrill ahead of Darius Garland. You know, let, no, you're not. Of course not. Right. And right. so now he's going to lose minutes. And, and one of the, 
for at least far as I see, because I've watched pretty much every game this season, Sam Merrill's a big reason in many of these games as to why they're winning these games and in many cases winning them going away. Jeff, the spacing so, the spacing's much better. There, there's room to operate, and Donovan Mitchell has been turned loose to do what he does. It's, I mean, but isn't that counterintuitive to what what you would expect when you don't have your superstars on the floor? As far as what winning? As far as as far okay, so so if Sam Merrill's in the lineup with Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, um, and 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 uh, and Mobley, wouldn't you expect the 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 other teams to be? targeting and, and focusing in on those guys when they're on the floor. And the reality is, is that those guys aren't on the floor. And all you have really, as far as quote unquote, a superstar is concerned is Donovan Mitchell. And, and you would expect that when those other guys are on the floor, that our, our record would be better. I just, I guess my, my only point is, is that I, I think it's more of a coaching issue than it is a personnel issue. I don't disagree that having two small uh, ball dominant guards isn't the way to of of success in the NBA, but we've never figured out how to 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 make this team hum with Mobley, Garland, and Mitchell on the floor. Jeff, that's hard to argue with. I I agree. I laid out those numbers, in fact, and I, I agree with you on that. I was just talking to the Poobah just in break, and Poobah made a great point, and it was it was sincerely this. the Poobah. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and he said is it a coaching issue or the players not listening and and doing what they're being asked? And if they're not, if they're not listening, if they're not listening to them, then I, then that's a coaching issue as well. You know, if the players aren't doing what it is they're supposed to do, well, that's a coaching issue too. I, I don't think this is a coaching issue, but I think it's a personnel issue. You, you, you picked up a superstar in Donovan Mitchell a year and a half ago. He's outstanding. Well, so is Darius. But they both are best when they have the ball in their hands and they're creating. Donovan was incredible last night. 13 assists, making great passes. But is it a hard pill to swallow to walk away from one of those Well, Andy, look around the NBA. How many teams has James Harden been on? Say what you want about James, he can play. How many teams has Russell Westbrook been on? How many teams has LeBron been on by his choice? Right. I mean, guys move in the NBA. Superstar talent moves. It moves. Yep. And and it's not about collecting the most superstars or the most talent you can have. It's about creating the best team. And from the moment they made this trade, I just, I said, I think two, six, one guards is not the way to go. Well, it, it looks real clear that that's not the way to go. I mean, look, look how well they're playing with, with one of them. I, the only other part that I'm kind of looking at here with what with what's going on is I mean there's does with those guys out you're also getting a level of consistency, and if the coach is able to put them in a spot with guys that are consistent when you have a consistent group of guys that continue you know like you were talking about before because I'm trying to think about what you said before about how the records look with and without, and you know is it a matter of being consistent with those other guys too, is that a possibility or do you have the trade deadline ticking in the back of your head? You have Donovan Mitchell's contract expiring in the back of your head. That That's what's ticking in my head. Okay. More than the trade deadline. Andy's in North Homestead. Hey, Andy. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good, Hi, good. Andy. 
Hey, Jeff, as always, you are spot on. You've been around the league for a long time, and you absolutely nailed it. I don't think it's coaching either, Jeff. But, you know, just real quick, and I have a question for you guys, too. Um, the Terry Rozier pickup is outstanding for the Heat. Isn't it, though? You look at what Indiana did. Hey, uh, Jeff and Andy, four through seven is going to be a dogfight. There's some you know, good teams I, in that mix, Andy. I, I mean, you guys, we could easily be seventh. We have a tough schedule from March 3rd on. And I love the way the guys are playing. I'll be honest with you, Jeff. I'm petrified to make a move other than maybe something minor. But you're right. 1A, 1B, and 1C right now is the lingering contract. Because I don't know if you mentioned it too, Jeff, but, uh, you know, the Cavs last year without Garland were 11-2. and two. I mean, eventually you got to start looking at these numbers. And, uh, gosh, I mean, I, I don't know if they can get Donovan to commit or not. But, I mean, that's the big – I mean – if you trade Garland and Mitchell wants to leave, you know, uh, but anyway, you know, I wanted to ask you, Jeff, um, you know, are we allowed to trade Rubio's contract, like package it like along with Ty, uh, Ty Jerome and, you know, Damian Jones, like something minor like that, or are they allowed to do that? Wasn't he officially, they, they reached an agreement and he's, they bought him out. Right. I, I don't, yeah. I don't think you can trade it anymore. It's, it's done, Andy. Oh, and, okay. and, you, and you're right. I have these numbers right in front of me. 11 and 2 without Darius last year. So in the last 2 years without Darius. And again, this isn't about Darius. They're 26 and 8 without Darius hey, Garland. Without hey, Evan Jeff, Mobley, they're 17 and 6. Hey Jeff, here's something else that scares me and I like to really hear what you have to think about this in one quick player too. This whole second apron thing with the uh, with the salary cap. I don't quite understand it. But, but I mean, if, if, if we maxed out Garland, which I think was a mistake, he should have took 30 for five years, I wish. You know, let him test restricted free agency, but I know that's here and there. But, uh, you know, Donovan's going to get, like, what, like five years, 267 if he stays. It's going to be silly. And you've got Evan, Evan's contract coming up, and we don't have assets. It's like, oh, it's just such a killer. Hey, Jeff, what would you think? This is just depth's sake about making a real minor trade, you know, maybe like Ty Jerome and uh, um, uh, Damian Jones moving those contracts and maybe with a couple seconds and picking up uh, Andre Drummond. Just for depth, he's been playing real well. Just for, I'm just talking about depth, Jeff. I, I like Andre Drummond. I, I'd I, have no problems with we, that. Damian, and Damian you know Jones, Andy's not helping you at all. Thanks, Andy. Appreciate it. Good stuff. Just, you know, he made reference to that um, – Second apron. So just to describe it, this is from, uh, where is this from? I don't know. This is from Google. Let's just say it's from Google. How's that sound? In an effort to keep some teams from spending astronomically more on payrolls than other, the league instituted two luxury tax aprons that come with punishments and restrictions. The first NBA luxury tax apron is $7 million above the luxury tax level. The second apron is $17.5 million above the tax, if we want to. Tried to explain it. Sporting News tried to explain it too. I'm just, I, I was, you know, I was, I, like, I've, we've talked about it a little bit, but we've never really talked about it like that. Dan, do you have a point on that? Or? I was going to say the best way to put it is there's a first apron that most teams are over, right? And that's just luxury tax on top of it. The same that it is now. I think it's like three dollars to every dollar you spend, or something like that, is a typical. There's a second one that's basically the. Um, the Matt Ishbia tax slash Golden State Warrior tax is the best way to refer to it. And it's basically if you get over that amount, you can't make trades. Like you're stuck with what you have because you can't move any of your pit. You can't move a chunk of your picks past, I think, three years ahead or something like that. And not to mention you're paying like close to $10 for every dollar you pay. 
Like it's, it's basically we're putting a salary cap on this without putting a salary cap on this, but we're making you really hurt for it. Fair enough. Fair, Fair enough. enough. Uh, let me take one more phone call here real quick. Ray is in Talmadge. Hey, Ray. Um, I wanted to look at this from a different perspective as far as we want Altman to make a trade. Because how many of his draft first-round draft picks are currently playing for the Cavs and playing well? Isaac Okora, that's it. Well, Everybody else, he's built, a... the team, he's built the team through trades. He hasn't built it through the draft. That's not necessarily that... Ray, Ray, let me let me stop you. That's not necessarily true because though Garland and Mobley aren't playing now, don't you can't say that he didn't nail those picks. Those guys are are really good players. But would you trade one of them? To, yes. To make yes. the team better? Yes. Then same thing. Same thing with Colin Sexton went. Same thing with Abaji went. He ends up trading them. Windler's not on the team. We know what happened with Porter Jr. He's great at getting undrafted free agents as we'll take another Porter Jr. And we'll look at Dean Wade. Dean Wade fits. Yeah, he fits. He's been excellent defensively. So my, my point is, is that his draft picks aren't here killing it, okay? Because you said yourself, Jeff, that Mobley's plateaued, or maybe it was Amico. He no, I, haven't I haven't said he's plateaued. Ray, thank you. Appreciate it. Kind of ran out of time there. Um, I, I also challenge when we look at draft picks and when we look at the NBA draft, how many guys like have that impact from the draft? You know what I'm saying? When you're looking at the picks, just think about it. We'll we'll talk about that. Mary Kay Cabot is up next right here. Baskin and Phelps, 92.3 The Fan. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the offseason. Man, I hate the fact that it's the offseason. I wish the Browns were still playing. He's Jeff Phelps. I'm Andy Baskin. Gee, you think? Oh, it's just aggravating to me. Uh, let's bring in Mary Kay Cabot, super friend of the show, from the Plain Dealer in Cleveland.com. Of course, she's on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. Mary Kay, I think I have some hangover. I just, I watched this weekend and I'm like, man, I wish they were still playing. I'm sorry. Bah humbug. 
Yeah, you know what? I mean, it it was a little difficult to watch those games and think that, uh, you know, what could have been. But I'll tell you, I mean, that that game just got away from them, but that does not mean, in my mind, uh, that they still could not have really challenged for, um, you know, for the AFC championship game. Now, I think it would have been hard to get past Baltimore in Baltimore, uh, but I do think, you know, that they could have, uh, continued to win had they, you know, gotten through that game. Mary Kay, what did you take away from Andrew Barry yesterday? Uh, yeah, there were a couple of things. Uh, you know, first of all, he did talk about Joe Flacco and Deshaun being able to coexist. I always thought that they could coexist. I never thought that that was something that couldn't happen, and I don't know really why people would think that, you know, that they couldn't. Uh, based on the fact that they're professionals and uh, they're both really good guys in terms of just, you know, getting along with each other and being locker room guys. So, uh, you know, I just never really thought that that was going to be a problem. Now, does that mean Joe is coming back? No, it doesn't mean that. But it means that the Browns would be open to it and Joe would be open to it depending on what other opportunities that he gets. I also think that they'll be very open to bringing back Jacoby Brissett. Uh, who is going to be available this offseason. So there are any number of things that can happen. We picked a bad day to have a bad day. Now I've heard that twice. I, I don't know. I just – they got beat, you know. At, they weren't ready. They weren't prepared. Uh, there were too many uh, – they got beat by a better team. And I don't know, maybe not prepared. I, I don't know. Maybe they caught Brad. I, just To me, when I heard that yesterday, like, I, I like Andrew a lot. I just – I can't just look at that game and go, ah, we picked a bad day to have a bad day. Let's move on. It's a playoff game, and it's hard to get to. And we haven't had many of those here in Cleveland. And to just kind of brush it off, it'll be okay if they make the playoffs the next five years in a row. But today, when I sit here and I hear that, and that's twice now, it's kind of like, ugh, man, I need a little bit more. Yeah, you're right. They did say that after the game as well. And, you know, I think it was a little bit more than that. I do think that uh, in some ways they were outcoached in that game. They were outplayed and they were outcoached. And, you know, it's, it's okay to acknowledge that and just to own the fact that it did not go at all the way that, uh, you know, that you expected it to go. That's a great point. And, I agree with what you just said. Like, just own it. I, I don't, I don't want to hear we picked a bad day to have a bad day. Yeah, great point. Keep going. I'm sorry. Well, the reason why I think it's important to acknowledge it is because you have to figure out what you need to change. And I think if you just uh, attribute it to a bad day, you know, that that could possibly stop you from doing the things that you need to do to, uh, you know, fully get better and improve and upgrade your roster. I think that in some ways, when they when you look at this defense, this Cleveland Browns defense, you know, I just think that they have to keep the pedal to the metal. They have to keep pushing forward. They have to keep upgrading their talent. I mean, they, they have to find out, you know, why they didn't get all the, the pressure and the disruptiveness up front that they should have down the stretch or in that game. Uh, so I just think they have to keep at it. I think that, uh, you know, in some cases I look at it and I think, you know, they weren't necessarily battle-tested by the best quarterbacks in the NFL last season, and I think that they're going to have a tougher QB gauntlet coming up, and they've got to be ready for it. Mary Kay, you look at the free agents that this team has, and it's a pretty long list, but every NFL team can say that. I I look at it, and I think there are about three or four guys that I think absolutely I want to have them back. And I I don't mean that as disrespectful to the other guys, but to me it's the defensive linemen that are free agents. 
and then you, you pick and choose and you fill your spots and you maybe try to upgrade. Are there guys that you think are really essential that are free agents that you need to come back? And, and my guys are Zedarius Smith and Shelby Harris and just the guys along the front. Yeah, you know what? I mean, it's, it's going to be right player at right price in terms of, you know, the second edge rusher and, you know, and whatnot, like with, with Sedarius, they're going to have to make sure that they could get him back at the right price and, you know, for the type of production that they're looking for. I actually think that they, it would be great to have Z back. And I think that they will make an attempt to bring Z back. Uh, but I also think that they need a double digit sacker. And yes, I do think sacks are important. I think they need someone else uh, that can get those sacks and be very, very disruptive on the edge and, uh, you know, and take a little bit of pressure and heat off of, of Miles Garrett. So, you know, they're going to have to look around for that, or at least I think they should. Um, but certainly Z is somebody that had a really nice season and he, you know, he will be under consideration for resigning. All right, let's talk about the coaching staff a little bit. Uh, Tommy Reese seems to be the hot name today, the ex-Alabama offensive coordinator to come up here. Your thoughts on that, and is this a done deal, or where are we at with this? Yeah, it's pretty much a done deal. They're just finalizing it, and sometimes the Browns uh, don't necessarily announce their hires until they uh, get them all done. And, you know, they're in the process of hiring a number of offensive coaches, and, you know, they they might just kind of keep things sort of simmering on the back burner until – until they're ready to announce them all. I'm not sure what the approach is, but uh, it's pretty much a done deal. I mean, they're just they're finalizing it, but he is going to be the tight ends coach, and then we'll see what else Kevin has in mind for him in terms of offensive responsibilities. But, you know, he brings some of that uh, Nick Saban philosophy to, back to town, and, I, you know, I think that'll be good for, for the Browns. I mean, you're going to have uh, a lot of discipline. You're going to have a college vibe, which I think is good. Um, so yeah, it's a very, it's a very good hire. If Brian Callahan goes to Tennessee as head coach and wants his dad and his dad wants him and wants to be with his kid, I would imagine that Bill Callahan would be leaving the Browns, Mary Kay. Uh, is it any coincidence that they interviewed Andy Dickerson, who was the Seattle offensive line coach for the offensive coordinator position and maybe think, Hey Andy, we're not going to hire you as OC, but would you like to be our offensive line coach? Well, you know, I don't know if that's what they had in mind. I think that, uh, you know, from everything I can ascertain that that was a legit OC interview. Um, but as you said, you know, sometimes the way things shake out, the way you start isn't always the way that you finish uh, with a coach. So we'll see how that goes. But I do think that, it, you know, it would be hard to say no to Bill Callahan wanting to rejoin Brian if it comes to that. So, you know, we'll we'll have to see. There are some options and possibilities and things you can do. Maybe you can uh, give him some, some kind of an increased role and more money or whatever the case may be. But, um, you know, I, I do think that there is a, a possibility that he will go with Brian. Anyway, uh, Kevin, gives up play calling? Yeah, I mean, I've written about this. Um, there is a chance that he would. Uh, and, and maybe it's also a collaborative effort. If he now Gerard Johnson, which I wrote yesterday, was going to be interviewing with the Browns today. Um, he he's here, he's interviewing, and he's a, a a young guy that has never called plays before. So if you need to hand over some play calling responsibilities to lure him away from another team, 
you know, maybe that's one where you do a transition sort of thing and you collaborate, collaborate on it for a while. Mm. Um, but certainly I think Kevin will at least be open to it. And I know the front office really likes him as the play caller. So it's not something where they want him to give it up. Um, it's just something that needs to play out right now. Free agency. I, I, I'm looking way down the road, Mary Kay. I, I can't live in this moment. I'm, I'm looking ahead, which is what the team has to do right now. Is wide receiver our favorite spot? Is that a place where you want to load up on free agents, or do you think that that's where they want to hit maybe a second and a third round pick or just a second or something? I, I would think free agency is the best way to get a, a guy or two in here. And, and there's some pretty good free agent wide receivers this year to beef up that spot. Which way would you go? And what do you think they'll do? First of all, you don't know which one of the which ones of those receivers are going to actually hit the free agent market. So that's the first thing. Uh, you know, just the ones that are eligible to be free agents sometimes end up re-signing with their current teams and or getting franchised or whatever. Um, so you don't know exactly who is going to be available there, but it's certainly a place that they should be looking, and they should also be looking on other teams' rosters for trade possibilities. Um, but, you know, I, I think that's one of the highest priorities for them this off season, especially depending on what happens with Amari. Now, maybe you do bring Amari back and you just restructure his contract uh, because he is so incredibly good, uh, but he does have a cap charge of $24 million for next year. And, you know, they just have to weigh that against, you know, age and injury and productivity and all those kinds of things. Um, so we'll have to see how that all plays out, but that is definitely a position I would be looking at. Mary Kay, let me throw two names at you, and you just said trade, and I, I think that's a great idea. Devontae Adams is with the Raiders, and that doesn't seem to have worked, and he's making a ton of money, and Stefan Diggs in Buffalo seems like it hasn't didn't end well this season, and there maybe there's something there. Would you go after one of those two guys? And what do you think it would, you know, is, is it worth the price tag? Well, I mean, it, it could be. I think Devontae Adams is very, very high on their new head coach and uh, was instrumental in him getting hired there. And he might be, you know, now really wanting to stay there. So, um, so yeah, we'll have to see how, you know, how that one plays out. It is a ton of money. And he's not a young receiver either. Um, so, you know, that's that's something that they'd have to, to weigh in. Of course, he's amazing. And I that's actually the caliber of receiver or weapon I think they need to add mm. to this team. Of course, now he's one of the best of the best. But they need a pro bowl caliber receiver. He's somebody that I would have an eye on for sure. But, again, probably wouldn't be easy to make that happen. Um, and then as far as digs, um yeah, I mean, he's he's certainly very, very good. He has a little bit of a history with Kevin Stefanski from Minnesota, yep. and it, it, it wasn't necessarily, um, you know, something where he absolutely loved the way that he was used there, but things have changed. I mean, this is now a different offense, completely different offense. They're going to have a new offensive coordinator, uh, you know, you've got Deshaun Watson as your quarterback and you know that the passing game is going to be heavily, heavily emphasized. So, you know, what happened in Minnesota, it's a whole new ball game here. So, you know, I, I wouldn't rule that out either. Mary Kay, I have 20 seconds. Who are your winners this weekend? 
Oh, my gosh. Uh, that's a tough one. Kansas uh, City or Baltimore? I'm going to go, let's go Baltimore. Ooh, yeah, I did. They're the better team. And then San Francisco, Detroit. Oh, that's a tough one, too. Um, I'll say San Francisco. There you have it. Okay, Mary Kay Cabot, thank you very much. We appreciate your time. Of course, we'll read you every day in the Plain Dealer. Thanks, Mary Kay. Thanks, Mary Kay. Thank you, guys. Talk to you soon. Mary Kay Cabot on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. We'll make Jeff Thomas do it next. Baskin and Phelps. Baskin and Phelps, 92.3 The Fan. Mike Florio joins us at noon from Pro Football Talk. We'll dig deep into the NFL with uh, one of the best and well-known writers across the land. and He will help us out. He, of course, he is from profootballtalk.com. That's coming up in about 20 minutes. Jeff, I, um, I just had some thoughts a little bit about the incident at the Ohio State-Iowa women's basketball game. You mean the big overtime win by the Buckeyes? There you go. In front of 18,000 plus. Yeah, big like, crowd. A, like school record-setting crowd. Whatever Caitlin Clark is getting in NIL isn't enough. I just would. So let me just refresh from the beginning for you. Jeff, you hear about the story. Ohio State, number 18, upsets the number two team in the land. Caitlin Clark, who is like this unbelievable superstar in women's basketball, enough to bring 18,000 to the Schottenstein Center, and then to watch Ohio State win in overtime. And uh, the Buckeyes pull off this gigantic victory. Students storm the floor. Caitlin Clark coming off the floor, um, makes contact with a fan coming onto the floor, and Caitlin Clark ends up on the ground. Um, uh, She essentially would say she lost her breath. At that moment, she got the wind knocked out of her, went back to the locker room, and then just said, you know, I, I think a lot of people were concerned for her health at that point, um, and then said, you know, it was a great bat. It was a, you know, talked about how great the crowd was during the game and didn't really dwell on on what happened at the end of the game. Yet every talk show in the world is just talking about how Caitlin Clark um, got, just, you know, got hurt by a fan that ran on the floor. So you tell me, what do you think of the story? What do I think of what aspect of it? The entire story. Like, what goes through your mind when I tell you everything? Um, I think Caitlin Clark should have paid attention to where she was running. Honestly. That's the first thing you think of when you think of the story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, clearly fans storm the field. They storm the court. We see it all the time. Right. So I don't want to hear anybody say, well, the fans shouldn't be on the court. Well, no kidding. We know that. Right. But But they do all the time. And they do it in football. They do it. They do it in basketball. Mm-hmm. And they it, don't do it in baseball because in baseball they get the mounted horses out there. Before if anybody yeah, if you take a look at the video, the mounted policeman. It's it's stunning well, to me. Mounted the the Ohio State fan was running with her arm up, with her phone in her hand. Absolutely, and shooting one hundred percent clueless, oblivious. Yes, oblivious. And she was running toward the big pile of fans at center court to, you know, and was shooting video. And Caitlin Clark, I don't know what she was looking at. That said, you know, you shouldn't have to dodge fans on the court, but that's the way it is. Right. So there, that's all I think about it. She should have been paying paying attention. And 
sorry, there were fans on the court. There shouldn't have been. But, man, she's got to pay attention. So one of the stories I read today was about how how is the Big Ten going to handle this? What are they going to do? What repercussions are coming against Ohio State? None. There shouldn't be any. Well, you didn't have control of your arena. That's what they'll tell you. Andy, ESPN milks those things. Oh, I know they do. I know they do. I mean, they love it when the students storm the court. The NCAA seems to love it. You ever watch a Duke game and they get a win over North Carolina? What happens? How many times do we see the goalposts that are already greased make their way to the lake or something like that? You shouldn't have it happen. It happens all the time. You really don't do anything to, you know. I mean, you could. You could have police surrounding the court at the end of a game. You could, but they don't. Right. So Some do. I mean, look, we know. NBA arenas do. NBA does, for sure. And the one thing about basketball is you have NBA is making money. And Not have, as much as college basketball, of course, but, you know. I don't think there's another sport where you have that. NIL room shot, nothing? I missed it. I was I concentrating. Said, I said the NBA makes a lot of money, but, you know, not as much as college. Oh, yeah. In football, maybe. Yeah. No room shot. No, that was well-deserved crickets. Um, you know, basketball offers something that fans can't get in any other sport. Ability to get sweat on? Uh, yes. As close as you possibly could get to the athletes. There's no other sport that I can think of where you can get that close without having a barrier in front of you, right? You're sitting on the court with the players. Yeah, which, by the way, I hate. So, I I don't know. It's bad for the fans. It's (laughs) bad for the players. So, there were two things that I thought about when this thing happened. One, I thought, this is a shame. There were 18,660 people at this game. 18,660. That is a fitting – that is a – Great statement for women's basketball, and no one's going to remember that. All they're going to remember is Caitlin Clark coming off the court oh, and then running into. I don't. I don't know that that's true. I don't know. No, I mean, how many people? If I if I said, "Hey, did that game go to overtime?" How many people? Are like, ah, I don't know. It was a game that went to overtime. So I I do think the biggest headline should have been eighteen thousand six sixty at Schottenstein Center. Watch Ohio State women upset number two. Does anyone remember that? Uh, you know, all the starters were in double figures. No, no one cares. Right. So, now let me get to the other part of it. One, you don't need to run on the floor. You don't. And so maybe she would have well, been. happens all the time. They don't need to. I mean, do you really need to store on the floor? Do you? What, 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 I where's don't the know. joy for the college kid? I, I, you need to store on the floor. Do you? It happens all the time. Does it make it right? No. No, not at all. But it happens all the time. I also think that Caitlin Clark... If I were her, and I put myself in her shoes at the end of this as I saw the, the video play out, because I read some headlines that were just, like, damning to Ohio State. Boy, can she play. She's awesome. Whew. I got to tell you, if you're an alpha dog like she is and that amazing at the game, you're not happy that you just got beat in overtime and you want to get back to the locker room as fast as you can and you don't care who's in your way. And I say this all the time when I'm watching baseball. I love I, – I, I absolutely love – when a football player stands out in front of some idiot that runs on the field during the game and when the fan gets leveled. I'll be they have no business being on the field. Those players are trying to do their job. You have no reason to be out there. And if you spend a couple days in the hospital because you have broken bones, I have no sympathy for you. None. Zero. Zilch. Um, but that said, if Caitlin was running back to the locker room and just happened to see a fan who was in the way who shouldn't have been there and they got decked, shame on the fan. But I do think Caitlin had a second to react before she buried the fan. 
Or the fan, or the fan buried, buried her. her. All I know is the fan I mean, popped you, you, right up and got back to shooting video. She didn't, and she didn't even know who it was. I don't think she knew who she hit. Even if she knew who she was, God only knows if she even knew who she was. If you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I don't know. I just I saw it. And the first thing I thought of was it's like, man, she put her arm up to <laughs> to knock her out because the arm came up at the last second to defend herself. I'm not saying that I, I she did it with intent. I, you say that her. I don't think it did. I, I just watched the video like the Sapruder film 10,000 times. So her I, arm gets up. and I, I, She has a second to react right okay. before, and she puts her arm up. All right. I I, thought, no, I'm not saying that. To that, me, the other woman had her arm up. and It was her, her. The woman that was running on the floor had her arm up in the air to hold vi- right. to what, play video. Right. Caitlin Clark came in and at the last second noticed her and maybe put her arm up to protect herself or to uh, send the other woman flying. I, I didn't see that myself. But Here, go ahead and watch it. I watched it 10,000 times. I, I, I did. Think. And you didn't see the arm go up? No, but I also saw the guy under the umbrella in Dallas. So, so you did? Good to hear that. So my point was, and I don't have a player. I don't have a problem with any player that knocks a fan down if they're on the plane. None, zero, zilch. But I, the problem with it is, is, to me, is that you had this amazing moment in in women's basketball, and all everyone's going to remember is what happened at the end of the game. Sorry, Jeff is in Cleveland. Hi, Jeff. Hey, I was calling because I think everybody who runs on the field or the quarter loses because you're basically saying, hey, our team just beat somebody we shouldn't have. You never see Alabama football fans running on the field. They don't run on the field. Duke and North Carolina, Jeff, you were wrong about that. They don't run on the court when they beat each other because they're supposed to be good. Only losers run on the field or the court. She should have not kicked that woman, should have knocked the other woman out. I saw I saw you run the court the other day. You never saw me, Jeff, run the court. Okay, <laughs> only you, I can't. I, it bothers me so much because you think about it. You never see good teams fans run the court yes, or the you, field. Jeff, yes, you only do. Teams, it, no, you don't. You tell me when you saw a good team fans run on the field or the court when they beat somebody. Not a good team. I'm, I'm not going to go back and look at records. You see it well, all the time. I know you're not going to go back, but you're wrong. And, 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 and okay, Andy, you were right. I'm wrong. I wish Caitlin, I wish Caitlin or whatever, should have knocked the woman down because that woman running on the court wasn't paying attention. She Clueless. She's basically running out there saying, hey, we shouldn't have beat this team, and then we won. Big deal. Jeff, I want you to know that your perspective on this story has garnered you, and you've already done this before, but friend of the show honors for today. You are today's Thank you, Andy, because it bothers me so much because everybody's like, oh, it's so great when they do it. No, you're a loser if you run on the field of the court. Well said, Jeff. Well said. Have a fantastic day. day. You too. (laughs) I I could talk to him 24-7. Bill is in Parma. Go ahead, Bill. Hey, you guys. uh, I think there's a conspiracy theory. Uh This was set up. This was a setup. Uh, they had this plan for a long period of time. I mean, I was, I've been hit harder from the side trying to get in the front line of a China star buffet. Uh, here's the thing that I, I find interesting in women's basketball right now, and that is people are interested in it. And why? The, the basketball players are staying there three to four years. I've always been a Missouri Tiger basketball fan. No, I can't you. Bill. I can't, I can't, are you kidding me, Bill? Stay. No way. Can you guys can you guys tell me all five starters of Ohio State? I can't tell you the five starters of Missouri. I can't even tell you the three starters of Missouri. And then lastly, 
the the biggest thing I've read this week is Imani Bates going into the crowd right uh, in a basketball game, and that needs to be looked at because my guess is if he does it again, he may be gone. I Bill, good point. Yeah, Thank I wouldn't you. doubt that, Bill. It's true. Oh yeah. All right. I'm glad we yeah. had this little conversation. Pro basketball and going into the stands, not a good combination. No, not at all. Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, Basket and Phelps, next, Basket and Phelps. Basket and Phelps, 92.3 The Fan, Eli Gold. He's going to join us a little bit later in the show. He's the voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide. we got a lot of stuff going on with Alabama. So he'll join us at 1. Right now it is noon, so we're going to talk to Probably one of my favorite guests that we have on the show all the time. Uh, he's fantastic on television. He knows everything that's going on in the NFL. And, of course, you can read him right there at the Bible of NFL news, and that is Pro Football Talk. He is Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk, and he's on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. And let's not forget, he is also the author, father of mine. Get it at Amazon now. Story about the mob. How are you, Mike? How are you? Hello, Mike. Good, you know, you guys don't have to say all that stuff. I'll still come on. I know, but I actually, I, we love talking to you. You know that, and it's we like, love it's, sucking up. Yeah, we have, we have no problem. So, all right, all right. So we got a lot of things I'll to just. We got a ton of I'll things. Go ahead, Mike. You go. Sorry, all I said is I'll take it. Sorry, I'll shut up. <laughs> no, we're good. We're good. We're good. All right, so many things to talk about. Obviously, here in Cleveland, uh, maybe a new offensive coordinator, maybe not. A little bit of shakeup going on. Just your thoughts on the Browns and. You know, when we sit here, I, I they've said this a couple times. They picked a bad day to have a bad game against the Texans. It just makes me shake my head um, because there were just so much, so much optimism here in Northeast Ohio, and then to lay an egg in the playoffs the way they did, and then to to watch Houston play again this week. It's, I mean, it was it was an outstanding season for the Browns, but by the same token, it was a major disappointment in the playoffs. Well, that's right. And look, that happens to every team that loses in the playoffs. The higher you climb the more it hurts when you finally lose, especially when you're favored, when you're playing a team you've already beaten, and when there's just a sense, there's a vibe, there's an idea that this is a team that could do something special. To not get out of the wild card round is very disappointing, and it almost makes you wish you didn't make the playoffs at all. I know it's still better to make the playoffs than not, but it hurts so bad when it finally happens, especially when you didn't expect it to happen. And then on top of it, you get blown out in a game that you expected to win. I get it. And I think what that does, it lays the foundation for the Browns to be every bit the wild card going into 2024 that they were going into 2023. I don't know what the expectations for the Browns were going into this season because it could all go so many different ways. We didn't know what was going to happen with Deshaun Watson. And now, coming back for 2024, we don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. We don't know how healthy he's going to be. Is he going to be effective? We're in year three of this five-year fully guaranteed contract. How many more chances does he get? How many more chances does the coaching staff get to try to get the most out of him? What kind of veteran backups, if any, and presumably there will be at least one on the roster in the event that he gets injured again. There's just so many unknowns. The one good thing is the defense is great. Jim Schwartz will be back, and that's helpful. But I think that, you know, unlike other teams that feel like they're on an upward trajectory when they get to the playoffs and have that great season, I don't know what to think of the Browns because so much of it comes down 
to Deshaun Watson and the quarterback play in the event that he can't stay healthy or isn't effective in 2024. Mike, with Deshaun not being there, with so many guys not being there, and the Browns still going 11-6 and six and making the playoffs, can you draw any real conclusions from losing in the first round? I, I, I'm having a hard time doing that, just based on you, you got there with a different crew that a lot of those guys you know, wouldn't normally have been on the field. Can you draw conclusions if you're the organization? No, no. It's just one of those days where, you know, and look, it might be as simple as, Look around the league. The backup quarterbacks who came in and did well, there was a shelf life before the chariot turned back into a pumpkin. And it's as simple as saying after three, four, five games of a guy starting, you have enough film, you can come up with an effective game plan for exploiting his his weaknesses. And we knew what the weaknesses were for Joe Flacco. He was throwing too many interceptions. And Chris Sims, who believed in the Browns as a potential Super Bowl team, was harping on the idea that they need to be more conservative on offense. They need to keep it simple. They can't be throwing the ball all over the place because those turnovers, when they happen in the playoffs, can be so much more devastating. And that's exactly what we saw happen. The turnovers that occurred in the postseason ended up being devastating for the Cleveland Browns. And um, so I, I think that you just you write it off as stuff happens and you move on and you see where you go from here, and hopefully hopefully they'll, they'll iron out some of these wrinkles. And the next time they're in the playoffs, I mean, this is a challenge as well, because the big thing that occurs when you get to the postseason is that you have 17 regular season games out there where you can be scouted. You need to scout yourself. You need to know what your tendencies are. You need to change doing things that are obvious, that are going to be exploited, and you actually need to go next level and maybe set a team up to make them think you're going to do something you've done out of a similar formation or down in distance or whatever, and you do something completely different, and you catch them with an okey-doke. That's what the playoffs is all about, and that's why it's so much more stressful for the coaches. you got to put in extra time to know what you've done, what they've done, and how you can change out what you're doing to try to get more out of, out of your team in those high-stakes situations. Mike, a lot of talk around here about extensions for general manager Andrew Barry, head coach Kevin Stefanski. Your thoughts on that, and if they should extend, how long? That was a, a pretty big topic for us yesterday. How long would you extend both or either one? No, I don't know. I mean, it depends upon what the organization is thinking as it relates to what comes after this year. If this year coming up doesn't go well, do you want to have the flexibility to, for example – try to get more out of Deshaun Watson the final two years of his contract with a different coach. You know, I thought going into the season that Stefanski could potentially be on the hot seat simply because if it didn't work with Deshaun Watson, they're not going to blame the quarterback. The first guy to get the blame is the coach, just like we saw in Denver. First guy that got blamed was Nathaniel Hackett. Now it looks like it's going to fall to Russell Wilson. So I, I think it just all depends upon how much they're going to expect the coaching staff to get more out of Deshaun Watson. And as it relates to the front office, you know, look, they've been, they've been pretty good about staying the course and being patient, even though they haven't gotten the results that they wanted when they launched into the strategic plans that arrived when, when the uh, Podesta took over, but yeah, we'll just, we'll just see, look, I've got no opinion. I think you got a good coach in Kevin Stefanski, but I think there are other complicating factors based upon the commitment that was made to Deshaun Watson and if this year doesn't result in Watson making the improvement that the team needs, what does that mean for the future? I don't know. Mike Florio joining us from Pro Football Talk. Mike, you wrote a, a really interesting story 
about Bill Belichick and the Atlanta Falcons and Rich McKay and maybe a, a little little angst between those two guys in the past, which might affect things moving forward. When, when it comes to Belichick and a job, can Bill go in and say, hey, I want control of this? I mean, is he in the driver's seat or is a team wanting to hire the Hall of Fame head coach who's but in the 70s and has had a couple of down, down seasons? Are they in the driver's seat when it comes to calling shots? Well, when there's only one team that is interviewing Bill Belichick, he doesn't have leverage. When you've got multiple teams pursuing Bill Belichick, then he's got more leverage to maybe say, I want full control just like I had it in New England. Now, I reported over the weekend that there are other teams considering whether to make a run at Bill Belichick. And the reality is you can't just jump into that pool without considering the ramifications. What if you pursue Bill Belichick? What does it do to the perception of whoever you end up getting? How will your fan base react to the idea that you're trying to get Bill Belichick? Do you want to swing and miss? Do you want to be perceived as getting someone other than your first choice? And my understanding is there's at least one team that currently has a vacancy that is considering making a run at Belichick, and there's at least one team that doesn't currently have a vacancy that's thinking about making a run at Belichick. So it depends on how many other options open up. The Falcons, the way they do things is both the coach and GM report to CEO Rich McKay. I don't think Belichick would go for that. But, again, it all comes down to whether he wants to coach and, if so, how much leverage he has to say, even though I failed as a GM, not that he would admit it that way, but it's an accurate characterization. I failed as a GM. I tried to make up for it with my coaching abilities, which are undeniable. Please let me be the GM of your team. And I I just – I don't know that – that there are going to be a lot of teams out there that want to do it. You know, for example, if I think he was fully content to just be the head coach, he could be a candidate for the commander's job, but he's not as far as anyone knows, content to say, I will just coach whatever players you give me. Now, maybe he'll say that on the way in the door, but the problem is because it's a guy who's so used to having full control, I think it does create issues. It creates potential confusion. It creates potential acrimony in the building if the head coach who used to call the shots in New England all of a sudden isn't calling the shots in his new place. So I don't know what happens with Belichick. It's going to be interesting to see if other jobs come open, and it's going to be interesting to see if other teams that have open jobs interview Belichick and and create some of that leverage he currently doesn't have. All right, here's a fun one for you. So, you know, the Kelseys are from here, and we love the Kelseys around here. (laughs) Excuse me, but (laughs) Jason said the game the other day, No shirt on, chugging beers. It's awesome stuff. Did he retire? Did he not retire? Who knows? Does the league like this? Because I got to tell you, TV ratings are saying yes. And between that and, like, just thinking about Jason Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, and Taylor Swift at Thanksgiving dinner, that drives ratings too. Well, hey, the Kelseys are business geniuses. And they have layers and levels of PR and managers. And, hey, look, we love the moment when – Jason Kelsey, shirtless, is leaning out the window at the suite, creating a viral moment. Do you think it was accidental? Do you think it was planned? Do you think that everything they're doing with it is something that was intended or it's just spontaneous? They're doing a great job of taking moments that might be premeditated and making them look organic. And that's fine. That's their prerogative. But it tells me we're going to be seeing a lot of Jason Kelsey. I think he will retire on his terms at the right time. I think we're going to see him. If I had to guess, if I was setting odds, the favorite would be he's going to land in that Amazon booth with Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit or good. just with Al Michaels. Yep. 
I think that he's destined for that. And I think he's potentially going to be great. But get used to seeing and hearing from Jason Kelsey and eventually Travis, whether it's in sports media or whether he does take that leap into something along the lines of becoming an actor in action movies or whatever the case may be. And he's already talked about that pre Taylor Swift. He was talking about becoming an actor. And I, whenever I hear that, I think, boy, you know, there are plenty of trained actors out there that would think, you know, this guy just shows up and thinks he can do it. But how much acting chops are really necessary to play a superhero, you know? So (laughs) I, I I mean, really, really, I mean, it's not high end Shakespearean stuff. So I, I think we're going to see a lot of the Kelseys. They're going to make a ton of money, and they're both probably going to make more money after their football careers than they ever could have dreamed of while they were playing. Mike Baker Mayfield did a fine job for Tampa Bay this year, and his deal's up. They signed him on a bargain deal. He came through. Is he going to be a guy that they're going to invest the big money in, or are they going to think we had a really good crew around him and that's why we were successful and he was competent? I think he's in a similar situation maybe to what he was here in Cleveland at the time. They weren't sure whether they should spend big money or not. What happens with him this offseason? I think the problem in Cleveland was he was great in 2018, and then in 2019 the Freddie Kitchens experiment caused a regression. Then 2020 he was great, and they almost beat the Chiefs in the division round of the playoffs. And then 2021 he suffers the week two shoulder injury on the left side when he's making a tackle after a turnover, which he never should have done. That marred the rest of his season. He tried to play through it, and that just kind of ended things. And then once they decided they were going to go after Deshaun Watson, that was that. 2022 was a mess, and now he gets a chance. And look what he does on a base salary of $4 million. I think the Buccaneers would be very wise to keep him, even if they have to use the franchise tag to keep him from hitting the open market. They need to see where this can go. Franchise quarterbacks are too rare of a commodity to give up on a possibility that you have one who is only going to get better if he stays with your team. So that's how I see it. I think they should try to keep him around and see how this all plays out and see if they can keep moving in the right direction. They desperately need to get maximum fan interest and involvement in Tampa Bay. And post-Tom Brady, look, they had a lot of empty seats throughout the season, but if they can generate some excitement for 2024, then they'll feel better about moving forward. And that's the other thing, too. If it's not Baker Mayfield, who's your quarterback going to be? Who else are you going to get? Where are you going to find a replacement? And that's always the thing that you have to consider. I think he played more than well enough that he should be the guy for 2024. The bigger concern I have, and I wrote about this a little bit ago, I still don't know what the hell Todd Bowles was thinking. And I like Todd Bowles. But good Lord, the Lions are gift-wrapping to you an opportunity to get the ball back down eight points in the divisional round because they took their knees too early. You got 36 seconds left. You got fourth and 12 that the Lions are facing on your 32, a 50-yard field goal that they would be attempting, and you don't call the timeout and force them to kick that ball or punt. There's so many things that could happen. There's so many different ways that things could go sideways. They could have tied that game up in regulation, and they could have won it in overtime. And I don't I, – it's inexcusable. The more I think about it, the more upset I get. If I was a Buccaneers fan, I would be demanding that they fire Todd Bowles. It's inexcusable that you give up the opportunity. Even if it's one in a 1,000, that's still more than zero in a 1,000. I can't believe he didn't call that timeout. And, boy, I'd love to get an unvarnished take from Baker Mayfield on what he thinks about of being robbed of the opportunity to go out there and make history in a playoff game. You wrote some really interesting stuff about Brock Purdy and his situation in San Francisco and that Tom Brady was supposed to, they wanted him to come in and be the quarterback for 2023, didn't happen. Are they locked into Purdy, who's played beautifully for them, but maybe not exactly what Kyle Shanahan's looking for? 
Well, that's what makes this Brady story so fascinating. And look, how did we not know about this, that the 49ers wanted Tom Brady for 2023? How did the national insiders that are swarming all over every nook and cranny and looking for new stuff to report every single Sunday of football season, how did they not have this? How did it end up in an article at ESPN.com about Brock Purdy buried near the bottom of something that looks like it was maybe five or 6,000 words? How was that not showcased by ESPN last week after it was posted? That would have been perfect grist for the never-ending mill of studio shows. I was astounded that this thing, number one, went unknown for so long, and number two, when it finally came out, nobody seemed to notice it. Nobody seemed to care. They wanted Tom Brady for 2023. They settled for Brock Purdy. And I think that's instructive to what they may be thinking if he has a three or four interception meltdown on Sunday against the Lions and they lose. What does that mean for 2024? I doubt that it means they circle back to Brady, but Kirk Cousins is out there and he's available to anyone who wants to sign him. And he's had a long-term connection to Kyle Shanahan, the coach of the 49ers. And the best game, arguably, of Kirk Cousins' career came against the 49ers on a Monday night, six days before he tore the Achilles tendon. And we've seen the 49ers just kind of clumsily ricochet from quarterback to quarterback over the past five or six years. I think this idea that they tried to get Tom Brady as quoted directly from Brock Purdy, that tells me that if Purdy stumbles and they don't win the Super Bowl, they're going to at least think about what their other options are. And they've got Purdy for two more years at the cheapest possible draft pick contract because he was the last guy taken in the draft. Mike, outstanding stuff. Always, always. And we love watching on TV too. So I want to make sure people know about your book, Father of Mine, Amazon, and where you get books, right? Well, it's at Amazon only, and you can get oh. the ebook now for only three ninety nine, and it's over four hundred pages. I mean, dollar for dollar. There's, you know, people were complaining about Peacock a couple of weeks ago at five ninety nine. <laughs> I mean, that's nothing for one full month of entertainment. You buy Father of Mine ebook for three ninety nine. It's going to take you, you know, I don't know how many hours to read. Depends on how fast you read, but it's it's dollar for dollar great value. I guarantee you will enjoy it. I'd, I'd make a money back guarantee if Amazon would let me. I don't, I don't have the authority to do that. But but I guarantee you'll enjoy it, and I appreciate the chance to to make the sell for it, and hopefully some people will buy it. That's less than a penny a page. That's thanks. There Jeff. you go. That's about that. Thank you. Less than a penny a page. <laughs> that that is. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that. Thank it's you. It's yours. It's yours. Goodbye, Mike. Thank thanks. you. Thank you, Bye. Mike. All right, Mike Florio on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline, and make sure you check them out. ProFootballTalk.com. Here's James with a 2020. Breaking news on 92 The Fan presented by BetQL. Bet smarter by downloading the BetQL app and use Ohio 25 to get 25% off your first month. The NBA has announced that Cleveland Cavaliers' Tristan Thompson has been suspended for 25 games for violating the NBA, NBA, PA anti-drug program. Tristan Thompson suspended 25 games. Suspension starts tomorrow in the game between the Cavaliers and the Milwaukee Bucks. Baskin and Phelps, 92.3 The Fan, 216-474-0092. He had been doing the job uh, that I would say the Cavs needed him to do. But uh, now uh, Tristan Thompson's going to get to sit down for 25 games. He has been uh, suspended. Reprimanded. Uh, for uh, testing positives for uh, two different drugs uh, that are under the steroids and performance-enhancing drug section. Of the CBA. 
So he will sit out for 25 games, and then you have to wonder um, if he was disappointing. If he was using, I was just looking up one of the the things he got suspended for was uh, a butamorin is what it's called, and just looking at the I don't know some website called Transform U. It just says the benefits of results are helps build muscles, reduces muscle wasting, increases bone density, improves sleep, uh, combats against aging, and may increase longevity. Um, and then they talk about some of the other things that are going on in there, but that's, um, that's a no, no, and that'll cost you 25 games. So, um, that would put him back, Jeff. I looked, uh, after the Phoenix game with about 17 games to go in the season. So, uh, but then you have to wonder what he's going to look like on the other side of that, right? Well, I would think that's true. So that would take him the last game of the suspension. If it starts tomorrow is, (laughs) excuse me, Phoenix on March 11th, making him eligible to come back. For the March 13th game against New Orleans. It's a problem, you know. Well, what do you do at backup center? Well, you don't have one. Go out and get one? Uh, Your backup center might be named Evan Mobley. When's he? It's going to be a while. When, When he gets back, I would think that Jared Allen and Evan are your centers. And if that's the case, that's okay. Damian Jones has shown he's not going to help you any. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You can make a lot of money doing that in the NBA, and Damian has, but he's not going to help you. Uh, Isaiah Mobley apparently isn't ready, or they'd be playing him. Pete Nance just got, you know, signed, and Pete's more of a of a like an outside right Dirk Nowitzki type guy, you know. And I don't mean that as that level, but you know what I mean. He's a big guy who's going to play on the outside and not necessarily play center. Although Pete can, maybe he gets a chance. Help me with this. When you get suspended, that roster spot has to, it's frozen, right? Well, it's, I think you're off of it. So they're they're off the roster spot, I but that think. doesn't mean. I, I don't know for sure. Yeah, I don't know if that's why I, I asked I, you. I thought maybe you might know. I, I don't know if you're allowed to add a guy or not. All I know is that ESPN still has him on the Cavs roster, but not on their depth chart. Well, it doesn't make any sense to have him on the depth chart. I just, I, a little bit shocking. I, I mean, you showed me the news. I was like, really? Well, it's but, disappointing. Yeah, it is. I like Tristan. I like him a lot. Always have. He's a good guy. But eh, can't do that. And I honestly, if you know, if, if they have to muddle through without Evan Mobley for a while longer, which they do, and you know, he's he's doing a little bit of working out. I, I don't know that you know you can't count on Damian Jones. You signed him, he's a big body, okay? Guys like that have jobs every year in the NBA because somebody thinks, well, you can always use a big guy, and then doesn't you know doesn't help you very much. Dean Wade, Pete Nance, Isaiah Mobley. We'll see. I, maybe you go out and you try and sign somebody. I don't know, Andy. So here's what you're losing. Uh, he, he was he was playing a lot during this twelve point four minutes in his games. They were giving him. Well, a better look at that is January, when they've been playing really well, and he's up to like sixteen minutes a game. So four more than the average. Uh, what does he have? Three. He was averaging four points a game against Milwaukee, your next opponent. Uh, 3.8 for the regular season. So about the same as what you were getting. Well, he's he's never there for the offense. He's no. always there for rebounding and defense. Four rebounds. Yeah. You know, 3.9. Um, you look at some of these things, and I'm just, like, I'm just kind of bummed. Because it's. I think I'm bummed yeah, it's, because it's, it's, well, it's... I'm it's, bummed not only because it's Cavalier, because it's Tristan, and you're like... But you could also... It's tough for the team. Seriously, he's with Evan Mobley out. He's he's done a really nice job being the backup center. 
So it it affects the Cavs without question. So I'm just saying, but just to reiterate one more time, uh, Tristan Thompson suspended 25 games by the NBA without pay uh, for violating the anti-drug policies. So that's where you're at right now. And then I, I don't – you don't release him, though, do you? No, I'd like to have him back when he comes for the final off 17. suspension and, okay. and playoffs. Just making sure. All right, I'm just – But he's you know, get you know, was his ability to play based on him taking this – Performance-enhancing drug. Let's well, that's my question. Well, come yeah, back. Let's, let's be honest. I that's, mean, if he comes back a, 17 games from now and looks like us, we're in trouble. Andy, that is a question. You know, is this why he was in, in good shape and playing well? I don't know. Uh, 32 years old. 32 years old. Um, all right, so that's where you're at on that. I'm going to go back to Mike Florio here, Jeff, and talk about some of the things. First of all, I, he was so right on about the Tom Brady story. I mean, think about that in San Francisco. They didn't want the current quarterback that gave them the number one seed in the NFC and is one game away from the Super Bowl to start the season. Well, It's the way Mike made it sound, didn't it? Well, no, that's what Brock Purdy said. Yeah, so I'm yeah. just saying, I mean, both those guys. Obviously. Um, wouldn't you? Wanted Tom Brady at the beginning yeah. of the season? I mean, the guys from Northern California, Kyle Shanahan, Brady in that offense. I'd have rolled it out with Tom Brady if I could have over Brock Purdy. Sure. I, it sounds to, I mean, is that the motivator behind Purdy all season long? Then, Like, hey, they no, don't Purdy me, was so. good last year. I, I don't think he needed any motivation. I think all the motivation you need is to be a guy who's, you know, seventh, seventh round draft choice, last guy in the draft. And, you, and you're still proving yourself. You know, if you, if you watch him play, he puts the ball where it's supposed to be. And when he throws the ball downfield, and and maybe it was in particular when he had a wet ball in his hands, but it was to me it was just like this. All right, Brock's gonna throw. There goes the ball downfield. Oh, hey, it arrived now. He didn't didn't have much zip on the ball the other game, but they they won and they look good. And I I think he does a really nice job running their offense. But I've wondered all along whether he's their guy long term. Hmm. All right, we can talk about that. I also want to talk about some of the other things Florio had to say. We'll do that coming back again. Breaking news, Tristan Thompson uh, suspended for 25 games uh, due to violation of the uh, NBA PA uh, steroid act. I guess I don't know the best way to drug, put it. Drug, drug say, stuff. Something like yeah, that. Performance enhancing things. Thank you. 216-474-0092. And we've seen that. 49ers just kind of clumsily ricochet from quarterback to quarterback over the past five or six years. I think this idea that they tried to get Tom Brady as quoted directly from Brock Purdy, that tells me that if Purdy stumbles and they don't win the Super Bowl, they're going to at least think about what their other options are. And they've got Purdy for two more years at the cheapest possible draft pick contract because he was the last guy taken in the draft. Hmm. It's going to be interesting to see what he does over the next two weeks, what he does against Detroit, if they can win and then get to the Super Bowl. And then are you turning around on Brock Purdy, or do you just look at him as the last pick in the draft if they don't beat Detroit this week? No, he's, are you he's still a, looking for another good. quarterback if you're San Francisco? Sure. I mean, does this put doubts? Sure. Sure. I, is, what's the guy got to do to earn the job? Got to keep playing. I mean, you're a number one seed in the NFC. He's got to keep playing. Andy, that's that's pro sports. 
At some point, though, can't you settle into a guy? I mean, I, I just. I don't know if I mean, you do I look that at if the, you're Kyle I'm, Shanahan. I mean, like, we have blind faith in a quarterback that was good, and now, you know, he's got the contract to keep him moving forward for the next whatever years are you left. You mean the Browns this. have the blind yes, faith? Yes. Yeah. The Browns do. Yeah. yeah. I don't think the fan base does. No, no, they're the ones that do. Yeah, I don't think the fan base does either. If if you get the opportunity that Brock Purdy has had, and he's looked great, he's done a real nice job, but you don't win and you're San Francisco and you think you're on the cusp, what are you going to do? Shanahan's bulletproof. He's not going anywhere. What do you do? Going to hmm. tweak running back? Nope, McCaffrey's pretty good. I don't, you're you're going to change quarterbacks. Here's the longer, a little bit of a longer version of what Florio had to say. For Brock Purdy, and I think that's instructive to what they may be thinking if he has a three or four interception meltdown on Sunday against the Lions and they lose. What does that mean for 2024? I doubt that it means they circle back to Brady, but Kirk Cousins is out there and he's available to anyone who wants to sign him. And he's had a long-term connection to Kyle Shanahan, the coach of the 49ers, and the best game, arguably, of Kirk Cousins' career came against the 49ers on a Monday night, six days before he tore the Achilles tendon. And we've seen the 49ers just kind of clumsily ricochet from quarterback to quarterback over the past five or six years. I think this idea that they tried to get Tom Brady, as quoted directly from Brock Purdy, that tells me that if Purdy stumbles and they don't win the Super Bowl, they're going to at least think about what their other options are. And they've got Purdy for two more years at the cheapest possible draft pick contract because he was the last guy taken in the draft. Would you like to be in that position? If I'm who? San Francisco. Meaning what? That you have Purdy under contract? Meaning that you've got a guy that led you to the number one seed in the NFC, that you're one game away from the Super Bowl with this guy, that, you know, even in the beginning of the season, maybe we're going to take a flyer on Tom Brady. I I mean, Tom Brady's a unique circumstance. It's very unique. Yeah, I mean, so we're not talking about other... So is Kirk We're not talking about... Well, we weren't talking... Like, my question is, in the beginning of the season, would you have rather had Kirk Cousins than Brock Purdy? That's a tough call. Because you've got the the long-term upside of Brock Purdy, but you have the veteran now of Kirk Cousins. Who can throw it, man? He's Kirk, Kirk's done a really nice job in Minnesota. That's a, that's a good question. Remember, I, Shanahan was with him in Washington. So they have they have history. So my point, though, when this is all said and done, is if he wins this week and wins the Super Bowl, there's no questions, right? Brock Purdy's back oh, as your how, quarterback. How do you, how do you not roll with? I him? agree with you, but you now we're to. sitting here. We're just two games away from that, though, right? Andy, what if he goes out and and plays, eh, and they lose? You're they're going to look for a new quarterback, or at least entertain. As, as Florio said, entertain the idea. If Shanahan could get Kirk Cousins out there for three years if they don't win the Super Bowl this year, don't you think he'd do it? I do. It just depends on what they do over he'd the next two weeks. seriously entertain it. It just seems weird that eight quarters determines your whole future, but right. it does. It really does. You want me to give you the, the stupid Phelps fantasy football thought on this? Uh, here we go. I was waiting for this. Okay, go ahead. Well, Menigan gives me grief about this. Sam Darnold has been on that roster no, Dan, stop. It's not Sam Darnold. It's the lack of Brock Purdy being an absolute rock there, I think. That's and why Sam Darnold's still sitting there? Is that what no. You're I mean, Shanahan loves everything. 
Everything you read that Shanahan's ever said about Darnold loves him. And I've always thought, why are you saying all that when Purdy's your starting quarterback and he's really good? Because you must not be completely sold. And so I've kept an eye on Sam Darnold in my stupid fantasy league all year. And why? Because I've thought if something happens to Purdy and Darnold gets in there, Darnold's got a much better arm. He's got a higher he's got a higher past pedigree, if that means anything. It might not, but I've and it, all that does is is lock in the thought of what Florio said to me is I don't think they're sold on Purdy. Well, I also think though that if, if, uh, let's go not, to the not Bill, that let's Darnold go to the would Bill be Belichick the guy. Not that Darnold this. would be the guy. No, I get but it. Though. I just don't think they're sold. But on Darnold Purdy. sitting is at number two. How many quarterbacks did we watch go through New England behind Tom Brady that didn't prove anything in New England because they never had the chance to because they were behind Tom Brady? But when they did have the chance for maybe one or two games and they played halfway decent, that all of a sudden, man, they're like. Holy moly, they're the greatest things. Oh, we got to go get Jacoby Brissett. We got to go get any other quarterback that was in New England that was Matt number Castle, two. Yes. Brian Hoyer. All of those guys Jimmy, got elevated without having to prove it on the field. Now, I thought Brian did a nice job. No, they all when he was proved here. it on the field, but very, very short in a term. Very, yeah, like an hors d'oeuvre Castle, size. Castle had a year. Castle, Castle okay. filled in for the whole year when Brady was gone. They went like 11 and 5. I mean, but, they were they were pretty good. But there was this whole like... Everything for a number two guy that was behind Tom Brady. Well, oh, this guy's got to be good. We got to go oh, get him. Andy, He's the hottest guy right thing, now. Let me th- same thing at Green Bay, and some of it worked out. You know, Matt Flynn did not, but Mark Brunel did. So and did Matt, Matt Hasselbeck. Flynn got paid. Yes. So did Matt Hasselbeck. I, I don't understand why we do this though. Like it happens all the time that you get these number two quarterbacks that I, I just think their their pay rate and the, your expectations for them are elevated. And I don't know why. Somehow, some way, someone has, you know, the, the, the thing that bothers me about the NFL more than anything is that we put, or, or any sport, is when we put players in a box and define them as what they are and maybe never give them the chance to be anything better than they were. And we, we do it all the time. We say, well, this guy's this, he's this. and But is he? You never know, especially if they're a backup. What were we going to say, Dan? I mean, we're, I'm not going to lie, we're kind of doing that right now. I mean, isn't it, isn't another side of this just, Basically, like, hey, Brock Purdy gets me here. Brock, there's a Brock Purdy line. There are quarterbacks. But we don't that know are, where the line is for Purdy. But yet. no, 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 no. Okay. There are quarterbacks that are above Brock Purdy that I would trade for immediately. There are quarterbacks who are below Brock Purdy that yes. I would not do that. Yes. Is it just that simple? Like, isn't it just, hey, here's Brock Purdy. Tom Brady's a little higher than Brock Purdy on a list of guys that I'd rather have. So I would rather have Tom Brady than Brock Purdy. It doesn't mean Brock Purdy stinks. It just means I'd rather have Tom Brady exactly than Brock Purdy. Exactly right. And if you're Kyle Shanahan, would you rather have Kirk Cousins? Coming off of an Achilles injury? I'm good. Well, I, And he's 35. But you're not Kyle Shanahan. I'm not. But, boy, if I am Kyle Shanahan, I'm going, this guy's coming off of an Achilles yeah, but guess injury. What? Guess what? He's coming off an Achilles injury, and I still have Brock Purdy. Yeah, Purdy's not going anywhere. They can still hang on to him. That's a good point. What did Florio have to say about the Browns early on in that conversation? The higher you climb, the more it hurts when you finally lose, especially when you're favored, when you're playing a team you've already beaten, and when there's just a sense, there's a vibe, there's an idea that this is a team that could do something special. To not get out of the wild card round is very disappointing, and it almost makes you wish you didn't make the playoffs at all. I know it's still better to make the playoffs than not, but it hurts so bad 
when it finally happens, especially when you didn't expect it to happen. And then on top of it, you get blown out in a game that you expected to win. I get it. And I think what that does, it lays the foundation for the Browns to be every bit the wild card going into 2024 that they were going into 2023. Hmm. I don't know. Going into 2023, I had high expectations until Nick got hurt and then when Deshaun got hurt. And we had high expectations for DTR when he stepped down on the field based on what we saw in the preseason. And then he met uh, the team arguably that could be is, you know, or not arguably is just two wins away from winning the Super Bowl. So I I don't know. My expectations, I I mean, if you want to do an early glimpse into next season for the Browns, my expectations are they get to the playoffs and they at least win a game. But when you look back at the big picture, when they made the trade for Deshaun Watson, Shouldn't we be on a track that says, no, this team should be going to the Super Bowl next year or at least the AFC championship for the expense of Deshaun Watson and the way we went in that direction? Should the goal be Super Bowl or bust for next year? Proclamations like that always crack me up. For me to say it, it's not a big deal. I'm not saying that the Browns should say it. It's just things like that always crack me up. Um, Stephen Vogt was on with the morning guys today. Yeah. Manager of the Guardians. You know what he said? Oh, they're going to win the World Series this year. No, he said we go to training camp and our idea is to win the World Series. And I thought, well, there you go. That's what you're supposed to say. It's what you're supposed to feel. So absolutely, the Browns should should feel that. Yeah, what should you feel about the Browns though right now? Like to me, here's here's where I am right now. Success for me next season is is getting to the AFC Championship. That would be success. And I'm expecting more for for what we had hoped for for Deshaun Watson. That's where they set the bar by bringing him in. I almost never set a goal like that. I just want to watch and see what happens. I mean, really good teams lose. And so I just want them to be a really good team. And then we'll see what happens. Take your best, take your best shot. A little bit of news before we head into break. Multiple reports. Former Browns offense coordinator Alex Van Pelt will interview for the Las Vegas Raiders offensive coordinator job. So Alex Van Pelt interviewing for the OC gig with the Raiders. Good luck to him on that. You can now follow the Cleveland sports scene chapter by chapter on the Odyssey app. Just click on each of our local shows to see the topics that we cover and then click on the chapter that you want to hear. Also, remember to follow 92.3 The Fan on the Odyssey app and you'll get any breaking news like what Dan just said. Push to you on your smartphone. Nick Wilson and Spencer German tackle the arrival of Bill O'Brien in Columbus and all the other big college football headlines on the new Sons of the Shoe episode. Follow Sons of the Shoe on 923thefan.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, they've got plenty to talk about when it comes to Ohio State. Uh, And then... You know, you've got Tommy Reese, who we've been talking about. It sounds like he is uh, the former um, offensive coordinator for Alabama, is in line for the tight ends job, or at least here in Cleveland, if that's the way it's going to shake out. So we want to turn to an old friend here who can help us out and give us some insight, especially with everything that's going on in Alabama right now. And his name is Eli Gold. He's the voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide, and he is on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Eli, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Good to be with you, gentlemen. How are you? Hi, Eli. Thank you. How are you? I can't imagine not having Nick Saban to kick around anymore or to be around anymore. Well, you know, he and I get along wonderfully. So uh, 
you know, I, I've told this to a lot of people here. I've been interviewed, obviously, a, a lot here over the last couple of weeks. And I, I said, I'm thrilled for him. I'm thrilled for him and for Miss Terry and for the kids and for the grandchildren because they now get to have a, a real life. Uh, I am not so thrilled for me personally. <laughs> I'm not so thrilled for the fans or the program, although Coach DeBoer is an outstanding hire. Uh, he's going to do just fine. But, yeah, I'm going to miss working with Nick Saban. There's no question about it. Uh, but, you know, he earned every minute of time free that he's going to have from now till whenever. He has earned all of that. So um, I'm, I'm thrilled for him. Uh, but, yeah, I, I hate to see it. But, uh, but Coach DeBoer is going to be just fine. Well, Eli, you get to spend the next 10 minutes with two Kent State guys, so we'll try to fill in where the coach left off. I mean, we're, we're, just, we're just Kent Staters. That's all we are. Just like Nick. Us. Was it a surprise, Eli, when it Coach was. Saban stepped down? Yeah, it was to me. I mean, we all knew. I mean, it didn't take an Einstein to know that we were closer to the end of his tenure than we were to the beginning. I mean, he wasn't going to do another 17 years. We all knew that. But uh, I, I didn't see it coming uh, the way it did. But, you know, when you stop to think about it, that's typical Nick Saban. He just makes up his mind and that's that. And, uh, he moves on. So yeah, I was surprised, but, uh, you know, when you stop and analyze it and look back over the, you know, over the years, maybe I shouldn't have been surprised. Who knows? I just, you know, you think about that job and you think about the school and, and the greatness that's been at Alabama and then the pressure for the next head coach. And, you know, I keep looking at college football now as four sides of the ball, offense, defense, special teams, and NIL. And I, I just I wonder where we're going with this thing. I don't know. It's, you know, as far as players getting paid, you know, Nick Saban was all for that. Uh, you know, he was very much in favor of players getting paid. Um, I think he tried to warn a lot of people about the uh, transfer portal when that first was being discussed because he realized, and it turned out to be the case, he realized that schools like Alabama and like Michigan and other schools of that nature would stand to benefit while others would not. And indeed, Alabama has gotten outstanding contributions over the last few years from players who have transferred in from other schools uh, and and have made a home for themselves here with the University of Alabama. So it's and now, of course, with the the loss of Coach Saban, we're seeing a lot of players who were coming here because of the coach uh, electing now to to go elsewhere. So that further shows you the impact that Nick Saban had on recruiting, although it was very much part of the the SEC and Alabama and and it's history, but you also see now how many people are leaving uh, because they wanted to play for Nick Saban. And now that he's not here, they're they're looking elsewhere. A couple of them are looking to Columbus and coming to Ohio State center, young quarterback who barely enrolled at Alabama and now is transferring to Ohio State. Uh, what can you tell yep. us about those two guys? Well, I don't know much about the quarterback at all. Uh, you know, I know who he is and all, but uh, you know, the, let's face, let's look at it this way. The, the, the thing that ha has to be remembered, uh, 
if you're good enough to be recruited by Nick Saban to come to Tuscaloosa, or if you're good enough to be recruited to come to Columbus, or if you're good enough to be recruited to come to, you know, Ann Arbor, whatever, you're good. Okay, let's start with that premise. But those coaches don't, you know, they don't, uh, they don't recruit guys because they're good looking. They recruit them because they're quality ball players. And, and in case of Nick Saban, I can't speak for the others, but they, he recruits guys because they're quality people. Um, so, you know, anybody who goes to Columbus or ever from Tuscaloosa is a good, good player. And, um, you know, and that's it. And they just wanted to, you know, they wanted to play for Nick. And now that Nick Saban is not available to play for, well, they had to go and do what they felt was best for them. So I can't fault them at all. But, uh, you know, there's the game of college football, like you said, this game has changed drastically and it will continue to change over the years. Eli, with Tommy Reese interviewing with the Browns, he was a young offensive coordinator for Alabama. What might the Browns be getting here in a young football coach? Well, he's a he's known for his. I heard you talking before when you first signed on that the the talk is he's coming in to potentially work with tight ends, and obviously he has worked a lot with tight ends. Uh, his reputation even before he came to Alabama was to work well with the tight ends. And then here in Tuscaloosa, uh, he has worked with Amari Nyblack and, and CJ Dupree and, you know, Alabama threw a lot to uh, the tight ends and used them as a vital part of the offense. Not the only part, certainly Uh, we had some great wide receivers here and so on, but uh, Nick Saban has always enjoyed throwing the ball to the tight end and, uh, and, and, you know, Tommy continued that uh, tradition here. So uh, if, if that's indeed the case, then I would, I would say uh, he's, uh, you know, you guys are getting yourself a good man. There's no question about that. He's a great guy. I don't know if you know him at all, but he's a, he's a great guy. And uh, you know, his, his background, his resume speaks for itself really does. Uh, let me ask you about Bill O'Brien going to Ohio State. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, Bill's a great coach. And um, wherever he was, be it in the pros or collegiately, uh, he's, you know, he had to go someplace where he was comfortable. And uh, and I, I'm, I'm happy for him because he, he, too, was a, a good man, a nice guy to talk with and uh, and shoot the breeze with. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's a good man. Anybody who could uh, survive and, and flourish – as he has over the years under a difficult group of head coaches, uh, I think he's a good man wherever he's going to end up. Eli Gold joining us. He's the voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Playoffs change next year, Eli. I, I'm not sure. I think it'll be great for college football. What do you think, 12 teams? Well, you know, it's the playoff – I get, I, you know, you're asking the wrong guy because Alabama never failed to make the playoffs, but once and, uh, you know, and, and, and that was, you know, and, and so we've always made it, but I'll tell you going into the playoffs this year, 
waiting for selections to come out, uh, I said to somebody, I said, boy, I wish this was next year because we all knew that Alabama was either going to be fourth or fifth in the uh, playoff uh, rankings this year. And I said, this would have been the good year for it to start with 12 teams, would have saved a whole, a whole bunch of gray hairs from popping out in a bunch of people's <laughs> heads. But, uh, you know, it, it's fine. I think, though, we've still seen, we've still seen that the, the cream of the crop is still going to be there and they're still going to win big against whomever. So um, there, there is just a difference. I mean, there's a difference between Ohio State's quality and the Alabama quality and the Michigan quality vis-a-vis other schools that are, you know, yelling to try and get into the playoffs. Um, you know, it's uh, the same. I, I believe the same teams will be there uh, when, you, when you get down to your final four. Yeah, what do you think about the 12-team playoff? I mean, I'm kind of excited for it. I, I guess. Like I said, it's it's fine. It'll be good because it'll allow schools that otherwise haven't had a lot to cheer about in the postseason. I'm not counting bowl games. I'm talking playoffs. Right. As schools that haven't had a lot to cheer about in the playoffs, well, now they'll be included. And even though those teams, the – you know, number 12, number 11, what have you, even though they're going to be playing on somebody else's campus to open up the season, uh, open up the postseason, it's still going to be, it's like another road game. And, you know, obviously they will have had good success on the road during the regular season to get to this point. So it can't hurt by any stretch. But again, I still say it's going to be uh, the same group of suspects uh, when all is said and done and it's time to to settle the final four. Yeah, Eli, my only concern about the playoff is is if we get, you know, top players that are like, oh, I don't know, man, three more games, I'm going to the NFL, and I don't know if I'm going to play in this I don't think they'll do that. I don't think they'll do that. Uh, and and I only can use Alabama as, a, as background, but when these games have meant – well, let me also tell you this. Alabama didn't lose players – even if they were playing in the uh, in the Tangerine Bowl or whatever mm. they call it now, right. you know, it, it's Nick Saban always got good character people. Uh, I, I personally, as Eli the sports fan, I'm not speaking for the university here, but as Eli the sports fan, I just thought it was a terrible slap in the face of your teammates when you bailed on them in the postseason. You know, it's a sport where you could get hurt. I understand that. But you could also have a great game against a pretty darn good opponent and and, and further heighten your stock uh, for the upcoming draft. Uh, I, I, I don't, uh, you know, Alabama never lost players. Other schools did. Uh, I just, I didn't like any of that. I think if you're there, <clears throat> barring a major injury, you should if for no other reason than out of loyalty to your teammates who you've played with all season long, you should stay. You can't let them flounder like that. But, you know, that's me. Maybe I'm from, I'm from a different generation, I guess. No, and I do appreciate the Tangerine Bowl reference because 
You know, Jeff and I don't hang our hat on many Kent State Bowl games, but when Nick was at Kent, they played in the Tangerine Bowl, so that was a good yes, reference. Yes, they did. Thank yes, you, Eli. Thank you, thank you. We appreciate your time. Thank you, Eli. Talk to you soon. My pleasure, gentlemen. Take care. Take care. Eli Gold, the voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide, uh, filling us in on all these Alabama connections, whether it's with the Browns or uh, Ohio State and all the things that we're talking about with college football. Touch on some of the things that he had to say. Plus, uh, Stephen Boat was in studio today. Your new manager of the Guardians. What did he have to say? Find out next. Basket and Phelps, 92.3 The Fan. Basket and Phelps. He's Jeff Phelps. I'm Andy Baskin. Uh, 216-474-0092. I guess we had a special guest uh, in-house this morning, the new manager of the Guardians, uh, Stephen Vogt, doing a media tour today. I've seen him pop up on a couple TV channels and uh, also uh, on Instagram and some other stuff. Um, so, but we were lucky enough to, I guess, be on the tour today. And uh, Jeff, he well, we was... bought a ticket. So... Oh, we did. Yeah, I didn't realize. You had to buy a ticket to take those tours. Oh, I didn't realize. Oh, that. wait a minute, not. Sorry, he's okay. also in town. I'm sure for the Cleveland Sports Awards, and they they did have Guards Fest this weekend, right? Yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure. Um, so Guards Fest was was going on this weekend. So, um, they asked him a number of questions. I want to start off with the first thing. Uh, that I thought was interesting, why the Guardians' uh, managerial job was so appealing to him. The people. You know, just after one hour with Chris Antonetti, Mike Chernoff, and Matt Foreman, I, I told my wife, Alyssa, I said, that's where I want to work. Just meeting them, just hearing the way they speak about the people in the organization and what they believe in and what their, what their core beliefs are, they align with mine. What say you? He was not a completely unknown candidate. You know, there, mm-hmm. there were supposedly some interest from other teams and things as well. I think that's a, a though it may be actu- actually true, it's a very standard answer. But might it might be very true. I mean, you and I, I think highly of this front office, so I can see why why he they could be impressive to a young managerial candidate. Plus the fact that they offered him a job and a contract to stay in baseball. Well, that's a good way to put it at the end. But I, I, I think it's an interesting situation because I think they've always looked at it more as, and it doesn't matter whether it was, you know, even going back, I'm just thinking back at Chris's time here, whether it was, you know, Eric Wedge or uh, or Tito or, you know, the, the dynamic for the Guardians front office has always been one that it seems to be a little bit different. Like, you, first of all, I think you have to have a general manager that's going to buy into – the restraints you may have as being uh, the general manager of the Guardian slash Indians and understanding your your budgetary restrictions and knowing that you've got to do things maybe a little bit different or maybe, you know, as the Dolans had showed early on, especially investing in the minor leagues, investing in trying to make sure that you have talent that's coming up as prospects and then, you know, trying to figure out a way to get it done. So, I, I mean, I can understand that, and I wonder what this is going to look like don't you, Jeff? I mean, especially with a younger manager, I think it's going to look different. What do you think? I just keep thinking rebuilding year. Is that a fair statement? And I don't want to keep thinking that, but I keep thinking that. It feels that way a little bit, don't you? You think so? Hundred percent, yes. Okay. I mean, they have they have made one really shiny move that you could point to and go, "Ooh, shiny!" And that's Scott Barla, which I think everybody listening right now who doesn't totally pay attention went, "Who?" So he might give you the ability to trade Emmanuel Classe, because that's what Guardians fans want to hear. Hey, our closer who throws 102 miles well, an hour might be able to be traded now. Is that, Huzzah! Is my is my statement 
is it completely off base? I don't think no, so. Exactly. It's not. Right. But it's not that shiny. Hmm. All right, let's move on. He also has this uh, extremely tough task of having to fill the shoes of Terry Francona. No matter how you look at it, he's got to try to fill his shoes, and whether he puts his own stamp on it right away or it takes a little time, that's all right in front of him. Taking over for somebody like Tito, you're not having to come in and make a 180 with an organization. They're in a really good place. So it's let's pick up where you guys left off and let's see how much we can improve and get better from here. I, I just I wonder how the voice in the room is going to sound. Like I, I gotta believe that Tito's voice was loud, especially early on, if they needed it to be, for instruction and guidance for a front office that still was still relatively young and that, and they knew they were lucky when they got him in the beginning. And I wonder if it's more of a partnership or if it's more of uh Hey, we know you understand the game. You know how to play the game. You were just playing it. We get it. You can relate to the players, but uh, this is what it's like to be on the other side. Like, I wonder how those meetings will go down as time tells. Like, right now, I mean, obviously, it's a love fest going on, and, and we all know how that plays out, and it's great. It's like, hey, it's the people. They're the reason I want to be here. And that should be. should probably be the number one reason why. But the reality of the business aspect of it is, at some point, someone's got the loudest voice in the room to make things happen. He's given no one any reason to think he's going to be anything other than a great guy. And his success as a manager will be determined by the talent that he's provided with. And how he manages. For the most part. Yeah. I think mainly it's the talent. Then what is the job of the manager? If they give you good talent. Organize the talent. Organize the baseball structure of the team. Again. You very rarely see a manager or a coach take a bunch of crap and win with it. Sorry. It has happened before. Um, not big. Hmm. Um, he also talked about how Terry Francona helped him get comfortable here in Cleveland. The reception that I've gotten from the fans and from people has just been, it's, it's helped me relax. It's helped me really feel welcome. And, you know, anytime you're taking a new job, it's daunting and you're replacing a Hall of Famer uh, even more so. But Tito's been great to me. He's been a, a great resource and, and I couldn't be more thankful. And still with the organization. Yeah, that's kind of cool that, you know, you can pick up the phone. Hey, Terry, what, what did you think of this? Can well, he really hasn't had to do that yet. Can I bounce the, Oh, you mean just well, like maybe being he already in Cleveland? Has. Or? No, maybe he already has. Saying, should you, I get a car or should I just buy a scooter at this point? No, or? should I get a center fielder who can hit? Yeah, but that's not up to him. That's up to the general manager. Well, that's not a com- not completely. Help me. Help me with what you're well, saying. Well, you just said about the talent and all. And yeah. I said, you got to have talent to win. You went, yeah. well, that's not all up to him. And yeah, it is, kind of. I have no idea. I've, in 12 years, I've never been as lost as I am right now. They've got to provide him with the center fielder or whatever you want. Yeah, and then you got to play the best guys. Okay, that I can agree with. Who but, gives you the best chance to score some runs? But you better believe. Get Miles Straw out of center fielder, Steven. Please, get him out. Sorry. What if he doesn't have a say in that? Well, then there is a problem, isn't there? That's where I'm going, Andy. We're going to find out, was Miles Straw a creation of the front office or was he a Tito Francona favorite? And this reporter thinks it's about time. And I can't wait to find out the answer, Andy Baskin. So what kind of expectations does Vote have for this year? Our expectation is to win the World Series. It, it always will be. If you don't show up to spring training believing you can win the World Series, you might as well not show up. Yes. If we all do our job and we all play well and we do the little things right, 
we're going to be right in contention, and I think we have the group that can do it. It's going to take a lot of work, and it's going to take some guys having some really good years. Yes. Yes. Jump in the pool. Dan, are we in the pool? Are we swimming? He just said World Series, man. We better expect to try to be there at the end of the well, year. Well, that's okay. Andy, good. Aren't you glad? Yes. A- Andy? Yeah. I go to a man who's taught me a lot about a lot of different things in life. Yes. Peter LaFleur. I found that if you have a goal, that you might not reach it. But if you don't have one, then you are never disappointed. I, I try and live by this little motto. I, we got to live by Peter's motto. Have no expectations. Peter LaFleur's done wonder for my life. Yes, he has. Have no expectations of others. You'll never be disappointed. You can't expect to change people. That's always been my line. I have expectations of about five people in my entire life. That's it. None in this room? I just want to of make sure. Of course not. Oh, okay, God, I just no. want would to make sure. Would you expect would anything you expect out of me? Would you expect anything out of us? I do expect little things out of you guys, yeah. I would hope that you would expect things out of me that I let you down yeah, pick on me every up a day. Coke Zero once in a while when you go downstairs, and oh, you do that. Thank that's you. That's all. Well, no problem. Yeah. You shower often. We're appreciative of I, that. You know, I feel good about that. I bought you a cup of coffee the other day. That was You did buy of, me a cup of coffee, and it was very nice. Yeah, you're yeah, the most generous man in the world. When it comes to a cup of coffee and a Coke Zero. Yeah, that's yeah. all that matters. And bathing habits. Really all we've ever had. Maybe I should own the team. Jeff, this one's for you. Oh, good. Okay. It's an Oscar Gonzalez question. The boys asked Stephen Vogt <laughs> if he would like his young hitters. You know, he's available. He yes. He's available. Any yeah. chance he's coming back? No. No? Maybe you would offer him that real cool Beaumont Golden Gator sweatshirt. He might come back. Terry already told everybody, no, don't bring it back. Okay, Tito. He's still in the office, I guess. Would you like your young hitters to be aggressive? He was what? asked. Hey, when it's a 2-0 count, take a shot. I don't care if you swing and miss at a slider in the dirt 2-0. I want you trying to do damage and really, like, helping them understand trying to impact the baseball. It's okay to swing and miss before two strikes. That's okay. we got to take some shots to hit the ball in the gap. Which means you're going to have to get a new center fielder for that to happen. Hmm, it's true, but he shouldn't say it. I'm sorry. Please, for the love of God, put somebody who can hit in center field. Jeff, what do you think the biggest thing the Guardians need this season? Uh, some guys who can hit the ball in the gap at the very least. Hey, there's a flare over the second baseman's head. That's a single. You string four of those together, you might get a run. <laughs> Any chance you can hit it out of the park on one swing and... That's what Steven's talking about on 2-0, Andy. Just making sure. Only issue, you got to have some guys who can do that. Dwayne Kuyper's unavailable. Oh, good. There's one. I don't think that's going to put us in the top of the league. Dan, as we walk into this, uh, are we in hot stove right now? It doesn't feel like hot stove. Um, uh, we're in We're in everybody looking around at each other and going, well, there's guys who are available, but none of us know how much money we're getting, so they're going to sit there. Yeah, how much does this TV thing screwed them up? It's a mess. This is an absolute mess. I am typically not someone who makes excuses for billionaires. This is a train wreck because yeah, I don't think the I don't think the Dolans are billionaires. Because this is the primary resource of a lot of teams for money is these cable deals. Unless they sell. These cable deals are what really brings it in. Like butts in the seats helps, yeah. yes, but that's supplementary to the primary income, Absolutely. which is these cable deals. 
and this whole Diamond Sports Group bankruptcy, but maybe Amazon's coming in. Amazon's only taking care of a couple of these teams. The Guardians, the Rangers, the Twins are still on the outside looking in. It's caused a serious mess. I mean, the fact that the, the Rangers, a perfect example, haven't brought in Jordan Montgomery, who everybody loves and the organization loves, and he fits exactly what they did when they won the World Series. And they're kind of at a stalemate because they don't know how much money they're going to have this year. I mean, this is, this is a mess. This is a bad, bad mess. And I mean, I'm again, I don't like making excuses. My thing would be like, hey, there's a here's the lull in the market. Go jump in. Go get guys to help you. Go get outfielders so that you don't end so, the season with Aaron Judge out homering your whole outfield. I mean, ultimately, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's outfield, entire team. It's, it's close. Not good. Not good. I think the guards broke the hundred mark on home runs, but they were dead last. We're gonna get into this. I I just you're you're gonna have to find the some. The Guardians offense. outfield last season hit sixteen home runs. Second baseman out hit the Guardians outfield. So you're saying there's nowhere but up to go on this thing. Let's yeah, be optimistic yeah, about it. Right yeah, there is. it's the people. I am curious to see if we see any change in players and change in lineups if that was a Terry Francona thing or if that was a front office thing. You know what I mean? Like if suddenly some guys who played last year aren't playing this year and somebody else is, that tells you all you need to know. It might not be good or bad, but it might tell you, it might give you the answer. Maybe maybe we will get the answers. Hop on in. 216-474-0092. Baskin and Phelps. 92.3 The Fan. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.